1: Let's mix it up, change it up and dominate. And now,
0: your host, eight times best-selling author and double world record holder, Rob Moore. Hi, it's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Podcast. Now, our next guest has done many things. He has many talents. Actor, presenter, Radio One DJ, writer, director, producer and all-round general creator. Now, if you're a younger listener, you've probably watched him growing up on a lot of very big kids TV shows in the UK. And if you're a slightly older listener, you may know him from his award winning documentaries. He, did, he does the extreme series like Extreme Russia, Extreme UK, Extreme South Africa. Uh, so it's Reggie Yates. Now, I think it's fair to say that he is nothing like myself or uh, the podcast team that came down with me. Um, Harry, Beth. He's nothing like what we thought he would be, uh, and in a very positive way. He opens up about his career moves and choices and how he um, kept reinventing himself, why he left Radio 1 maybe at at the peak of his career. Um, Also, something we've been doing quite recently is we've been putting the microphone on when the guest arrives, and we just leave it on. And so you will hear a good 10 minutes of Reggie and I just chatting and get to know each other. We'd not met before this. We'd been introduced by a mutual friend. Um, I hope that you feel that this is really good. You get a bit of an insight into him as a person, as well as him being interviewed too. So uh, let's go straight in with the interview. And remember, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything.
1: So how did you get started, and how did you get to 3 million? Is this on YouTube, or is that amalgamated through different just, um, just the
0: podcast. So you get 3 million this is why I've downloads an hour, a week? Because I've, I've, I've got no YouTube game at all. Yeah, me neither. But, I've got life. about three followers. Yeah. You know? Mate, exactly the yeah. same, but that's a
1: slow build. Yeah, it is. But it's, it's, it's good to start building yeah. as opposed to waiting. But exactly. in terms of your podcast, you've got around
0: 3 million. That's yeah. incredible. Over how long? Uh, we started nearly three years ago. January will be our three... Your anniversary. I mean, I had a bit of a head start because I've, I've, I have started in property 12 years ago and I made, I made enough money to retire and do what I wanted from that. Great. So, uh, Congratulations, man. There's but, not many people you. that
1: can say that at a young age. It's no. Also-
0: yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, we just sort of, um, we spend quite a lot of our time doing this now, don't we? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Probably do two two podcasts a week <sighs> and mm. travel around the world interviewing cool people. That's really cool. So we uh, with obviously what you do in your documentaries, I mean... Different but similar. You know? Yeah, of course. I'd rather like go to them and find out about what they're doing on their patch mm-hmm. rather than have people come to our studio all the time. Yeah.
1: are you uh, are you sort of ad sponsored or do you not have any? I don't run
0: any ads because I don't need the money. I kind of figure, well, it'll be best nice. to keep the art. The art. Hey, look! If someone who was yeah, good offered yeah. me the right money, I'd yeah. never say never. Yeah, but now I don't. I don't need the money, and I never wanted to do it for the money.
1: Yeah, wow, that's awesome. So, on average, yeah. then, what would you sort of get in terms of downloads per app?
0: We get about 200,000 a month. That's amazing. Something like that. Yeah. That's yeah I mean, the episodes vary wild, Of course, yeah. Um, depending on who the guest is. We interviewed David Icke, who's obviously pretty controversial. His downloads were crazy. Um, but then if the people aren't so well known, mm. it depends if they promote it with us yes. or they don't. Um, but yeah, I like interviewed quite a wide range. of Yeah, people. That's awesome.
1: well, so fire over um, any assets you have after we're done. Okay, yeah, I appreciate promote that. Promote them on my yeah. different channels yeah. and all Thank the rest you. of it. And that's very great. I'm to... um, getting better at sort of uh, how this whole thing works. Because yeah. for me, podcasting was just really exciting because it was a platform to have unfiltered conversation. Yeah, uh, as someone who has always spoken to a different sort of creative mandate, you know, yeah. be that the BBC or whoever. Mm. This is my baby. I yeah, I Produce yeah. it, and it's just the nicest thing, and it's long form as well. Mm. Um, obviously, I'm, I imagine we'll get into it, but yeah, it's just a really nice way to have a conversation, and the reaction has been—I'm sure yeah. you felt it when you get that reaction. Yeah, for something that you're doing completely unfiltered, it's so beautiful. Yeah, um, and it's really authentic and organic. Yeah. You know, it's—I think great.
0: people crave it because I think yeah. you're sick of fake yeah. news, yeah. people yeah. being misquoted yeah. or manipulated in the media. Yeah. In the, in this medium of communication i always say to everyone i interview say what you want tell me what you don't want to say if you don't want it in we take it out nice and so people feel i think feel comfortable uh, and i don't want to trick people either you know some people are, are trying to find the yeah. sensational angle i'm the opposite of that i want us to go away and actually have got on and you yeah. not think oh this guy painted me into a corner what <laughs> you know, I, I don't want any of that because i don't have to do that and that's not how i want to spend my time yeah um, so, what are you getting from this then? If you um... it helps grow my own brand. I've right. written quite a few books, and I've d- yeah, I've got various companies that help entrepreneurs start their business. We've got various courses, um, so there's never a plug for me. But once they generally they'll find me on a book or a podcast, they'll consume all of that. Podcasts are great because someone can be running and they're listening to your podcast, and they get to those seven or ten hours where there's that deep connection. Mm. Then they just Google you, go on Facebook, Amazon pile your books, and then they find their way down to our yeah other
1: content. and things like that. Right, yeah. I suppose that's the way it works now, isn't it? Like, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Gary Vee and seeing yeah, yeah. what he's done in terms of going from being a businessman to creating a global brand, it's phenomenal. Well, I think he's
0: he's been this, the arrowhead in a lot of ways. Mm. Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan, Grant Cardone, you know, the Americans, because they're such a bigger population mm. and probably a, maybe a slightly more open or less defensive culture mm. the shortest one we've done has probably been 35-40 minutes oh wow they had nothing to say uh, yeah <laughs> da- David Ikes was two hours and we'd would we done question one you came to David Ikes didn't you Harry I did that it, it was, was like the, it was a two hour monologue yeah. it could have been 20 oh, hours show. he just went just went know, just went um, yeah and you know like, so I don't really have a time thing if you say to me look Rob I've got to get out of here at certain point I'll yeah. or if we're sort of like an hour in you and I look at each other like, so
1: <laughs> I've got a few like quick fires to move into so it doesn't get awkward. Absolutely. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. No worries, man. Yeah. Well, I mean, it all seems very straightforward. Game. Yeah. Feels good. Great. It's nice. It's nice going on other people's. I went on, um, so I've just recently started having my um, podcast animated oh, and right. the guys that um, have well, been Well, trailers. Uh, no, actual, well, not the whole episode, but little three minute cutdowns, like little moments from right. the episode. And, um, the reaction Harry are those you listening th- to this, mate? <laughs> yeah, the reaction to those have been great. So one of the guy, one of the animators, has his own podcast, and I went on his over the weekend, and it was really nice. It was weird in a way because I sort of found myself wanting the content for mine. Yeah. So I might actually grab well, a it lot off of them him. do that. Yeah. They'll post on their own episode mm, if they on the feed on someone else's. Yeah, I think so because my podcast is generally me and my mates, um, yeah. and or a guest. So what I'm thinking about doing is maybe putting out a couple of my interviews on the feed as well yeah. because I keep getting messages from uh, people on social sort of saying, oh, we want to know more about you. You're asking yeah. the questions. Mm-hmm. We want to yeah. know more about you. So, um, yeah. yeah, it kind of it helps sometimes when you've got uh, a really good chat yeah. that is worth using, you know. So it yeah. helps, yeah. I think it's a
0: great way to grow your brand as well. I've, I've, you know, I'm not the biggest influencer out there, but I've done quite a lot of podcast interviews where I'm being interviewed and it, it's great reach. Mm. There's a few big American podcasts I've been on and, you, you know, all of a sudden, all these people just filter down. Yeah.
1: Which ones one the have, you follow you? have you followed? So on? There's
0: one called Entrepreneur on Fire by John Lee DeMass, which is a big American podcast. Um, so I've been on that. I'm talking at the moment to Tony Robbins' team about going on his podcast, which would yeah. very likely be huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, like if anyone wants me. And mm. um, uh, that sounded a bit beggy, but, you know, like if the podcast is right. Mm. And then, like you said, sometimes we'll ask for them for the recording mm. and then when we've got a gap we'll publish on our show which is then good promotion for their podcast of course yeah, um, yeah. so um, I'm, I've become good mates with Jake Wood who's who's that Max Branding on EastEnders I don't watch EastEnders yeah. so he's, he's an actor um, uh, yeah he is he's like the, the main baddie on it okay. and yeah um, My guy who, I've got like an agent who sort of helps me source various things. And he's like, look, you've got to interview Jake. And I wasn't sure because like you, I'm not an EastEnders watcher. And he's like, look, just do it. Have faith. Yeah. So I interviewed him and we became mates. I went to his charity event and stuff like that. And um, I'm going to interview him and Spencer, who used to be a European championship boxer. And they run a podcast called Pound for Pound. And then a
1: this boxing podcast. Yeah, this, yeah. He said his actor has a boxing yes, podcast. Yeah, with, oh, wow. Check him out. Yeah, exactly. He loves I'm, boxing. I'm just going to mute this. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, go on. I'm,
0: and then, um, and we're, I'm publishing it on my podcast, and they're publishing it on their podcast. Yeah. So it's almost like
1: little podcast joint venture. Nice. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Wow. And then all the Americans started it off. Yeah. You, you know. And then us Brits, ten years later, get get on Eventually, the back yeah,
1: catch up. Oh, look at this. You've got three cameras, no flicking about. I know. Look at that. So you have got a PD. PD-150, 300D. Oh, you'll know all this. Yeah. World, won't you? And you want to flip into Amazon. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is that? FS-700. Oh, it is. See, I, all my, my docs are shot on an FS-7, um, but they're never shot like that. So that's, what lens have you put on there? And you've got on a, What's the code? A yeah, little 50 Nice. Yeah. It's never that bulk down. It's normally on a big old yeah. Yeah. frame yeah, yeah, yeah. like that. A little room like this is I'm going to take a picture of that and send it to Sam because I've never seen it look so light. Mm. That'd be great. It's very much of a very
0: modular camera. You can uh, mod it to so your heart's contemporary.
1: We're going to China this week to shoot my next, thank you, uh, shoot my next series. And Jesus Christ, that's so small. But the, the quality on the FS7 is insane. Yes, I can
0: get to 1,000 frames a second. Yes, yeah, so. Amazing.
1: When you guys have stopped flirting, just let me know. It just means absolutely nothing to me, all this. (laughs) Oh, mate, it's the difference between you looking like a character from The Simpsons, a character from the Lego, and you looking HD. It's important, is it? Oh, yeah, you need to know your cameras, man. Trust me. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. Is there any work you can do with me then on on these cameras? (laughs) Get rid of my red face. (laughs) You need some some CG. Can you you CG my cheekbones, please? (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm, I'm happy to roll if you are.
0: Okay. Cool, all right, good stuff. So, Reggie, thanks for doing the podcast.
1: No worries. Good to be here. Yeah.
0: Um, Actor, writer, DJ, presenter, director. (laughs)
1: Right.
0: Um, You've done a lot of things. A
1: few, yeah. Yeah. A couple of them I'm not really doing so much anymore. So, uh, presenting... I don't really do anymore. It's weird because I do make documentaries, but I don't really see myself as a presenter of the docs that I make. Um, I've described it this way a ton of times before. I describe myself as a complicit contributor in the documentaries, So um, I'm not that dissimilar to the people that I meet on camera. Um, I'm just aware of the process. So, um, you know, there's no sort of big pieces to camera in in the way that you will get in like a dispatches or anything like that. It's very different, sometimes quite immersive. So tonally... I don't see myself as a presenter at all anymore. And entertainment presenting doesn't really interest me in the way it used to. Mm. And acting, I don't do anymore either. Um, Partially because I don't think I'm very good at it. And uh, I also fell out of love with it. Mm. You know, I started out as an actor uh, at the age of eight years old. And uh, by the time I was in my mid-twenties, I'd kind of fallen out of love with the process. And what I loved was this idea of creating as opposed to being... Uh, the mouthpiece for somebody else's creation. Uh, So uh, going from Pinocchio to Geppetto has changed my uh, relationship with content. Mm. And as a a, a performer, uh, I sort of no longer see myself as the person who speaks to somebody else's narrative. I feel that I have to speak my own, really, either Mm. in drama as a writer, director, or in the factual space. Mm. So
0: if you could describe yourself as anything,
1: what do you do? Um, I'm a creative who is lucky enough to tell stories in different ways. Mm. So that could either be through photography. Um, I've always loved taking pictures and I occasionally have exhibitions like last you year. geeked out about <laughs> I'm That's why I was getting yeah. excited about the cameras <laughs> in the room. I mean, I'm not so much of a, um, a, a, a DP uh, in the way that these guys are, what's Director a of, a of Photography, uh, okay. in the way that these guys are aspiring to become. Um, I'm a still photographer and I love taking pictures so I exhibited at the Tate Modern last year and it was like a real moment for me I sort of stood there thinking if only my art teacher could see me (laughs) now do you know what I mean Um, so yeah I I, I get to sort of tell stories in different ways so if it's photography that's one way writing a book it's another way Mm. or you know the more obvious ways are documentaries and and drama
0: Mm. Were there points in your journey you know through acting doing the documentaries doing the DJing Well, you got a little bit worried because you were like, wow, I've been an actor for many years and now I don't want to do it anymore. Or did you just naturally just dance and let your career guide
1: you? Um, A bit of both. It's a bit of a weird middle ground, really. Um, I have always been very aware of where it's all headed, but I've never quite known how I was going to get there. So I've always in the back of my mind at least thought, and it's changed uh, how... 3D that idea actually is. So it's gone from wouldn't it be great to one day write and direct to I want to be a writer-director to I'm going to be a writer-director and I'm going to make short films and I'm going to pay for them myself to I am a writer-director, the world just hasn't caught up with me yet. Right. So as it stands, uh, my relationship with drama as a creator is no uh, different to my relationship with going from being an actor into being a presenter there's like this weird sort of uh, simultaneous thing that happens where I'm doing a bit of both, and then eventually it blurs into me doing only the one thing. So for a long time I was acting, and then presenting came along, I was juggling, and then I left acting behind, and Mm -hmm. then I went back to acting, and then I left acting behind for good. And that's kind of what happened with entertainment. You know, you're hosting The Voice one day, uh, and then a month later you're in, I don't know, Kenya, making a documentary, and the feeling that you have from the two are so polar opposite – you start to make a decision about where you want to spend your time and where you want to give your energy and I made that decision uh, quite a few years ago now
0: I feel like I sense that you have a great deal of confidence in yourself or some kind of faith or ability that where you're going will manifest itself because I know a lot of people are scared of that. Mm. You know, they've studied their whole life. They've been in X career for 10, 15 years. They want to get out, but they can't because they feel trapped, maybe right. financially trapped, can't afford it, or they've got to skill up. Mm. You, you know, like, and please correct me if it's been a bit more difficult behind the scenes, but you just seem like you've danced through one career to another to another and been able to forge your own non-restricted path. Whereas if you think of most people's careers, it's the opposite.
1: I'm really, really pleased that you see it that way because that to me says that I'm doing a good job Mm. and the people that I've chosen to have around me as a team are also doing a great job because if the perception is that (laughs) I sort of danced along and it's sort of all worked out beautifully, then then it's coming together in the right way because it definitely hasn't been that. On some level, I've always known that I'm going to be okay. Yeah. Um, How? Well, okay, let me correct that. I've always been self-assured that it's going to work out, but I've I've not been raised in an environment where I've been told it's going to be okay. So I've always had this sort of weird, um, jealousy is the wrong word, but I've always been very aware of my friends that have come from a 2.4 background where regardless of anything, they've always felt secure. Yeah. So there's this weird thing that they have where they're never worried about money. They're never worried about failure. They're never worried about um, embarrassing themselves because they've been raised in an environment where it's going to be okay. Yeah. No matter what happens, we love you. No matter what happens, you can always come home. No matter if you lose everything, we'll look after you. They need, they need to come coach me then. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> yeah. well, I was never raised in that, envelop- in that environment with no. that amount of um, uh, investment put into my self-confidence and yeah. self-worth. I had to learn that over time. So for the longest of time, uh, I would be concerned about what the next thing would be. And there would be moments where I would have sort of pangs of fear if it was gonna work out or not. Deep down, I always knew that I would be okay. Why, do you, think, why do you think you always knew deep down? Because I know that this isn't a bluff because nothing that I've achieved has come easy. Mm. I've always known that anything that could be regarded as an achievement I've worked my ass off for yeah. and I'm not scared of the work.
0: And you carry that forward into the next
1: thing you're doing. Absolutely. So I've always known that if you work hard, you get results, period. Mm. Regardless, whether it's fitness, whether it's your eating, your diet, or you know, doing what I do, learning yeah. how to write, doing your ten thousand hours, learning how to direct, learning how to communicate or broadcast. Mm. I've done my ten thousand hours. So I've all in, in, in every lane. So I've always felt confident that it would work out. But that doesn't stop those pangs of fear. No. The skill that I've had to teach myself is that it's going to be okay. I've had to be that mum and dad hug, that emotional, don't worry about it. It's going to all come together thing. Mm. I've had to sort of do that internally. And I encourage everyone to do it because if you can do it for yourself, then you don't need other people to give you that reassurance.
0: Yeah. And comparing yourself to your friends, because that's quite interesting. Like, I don't judge people, so it's not a judgmental statement, but... I'm wondering if some of your people you're comparing you to, yourself to, who had the the comfortable upbringing, maybe they're not making the difference and disrupting like you are. Um, and I wonder if the fact that you had to get, be quite streetwise and and teach yourself this is a
1: part of your success. Absolutely, yeah, everything happens as it should. Yeah. Um, the, the, the which is easy to say on a podcast it's, it? well, it's easy yeah. to say in hindsight <laughs> yeah. and it's easy to, to sort of look back and go oh if that didn't happen that way or if I didn't have that amount of drive I wouldn't have got mm. there or if I didn't tell myself that I'm going to do this thing and do it even when it was difficult I would not be where I am now yeah. and I'm by no means at the end of my journey mm. I'm like a point three of a ten point plan in my mind yeah. I've still got a hell of a long way to go and I have always been that way Mm. Every time that someone's told me, oh, mate, you've made it, I'm like, yeah. by whose standards? Yeah, Because knowing the standards that I'm working to uh, have always helped me know when it's time to go up a gear because I- I've compared myself as a kid to my friends and to the people around me. But now I'm sort of blinkered in a horse, sort of a race a horse way mm. where it's almost like I do not care about what's happening in any other lane. I'll support people. I'll pat people on the back. I'll encourage them i'll i'll um I'll invest energy into others, but I'm also investing a hell of a lot of energy into myself and I'm focused mm. on what I want for myself.
0: That statement there I think I'd like to just jump on because it's so hard not to compare yourself to other people, and how many times do we compare ourselves to other people and then feel motivated, inspired, and great within ourselves for who we are yeah. versus oh you know. That influencer, that actor, you know, that athlete, they're so much better than me.
1: I've never, I'll challenge you on that and say, oh, please that do. And say that I've never felt that. I've never. You've, you've never that. been bothered about what other people are doing? No, I mean, as a kid, maybe, yeah. I might have like been sort of never really quite understood why my friends had massive gardens and why we didn't even have one, you know, why we yeah. had one tree in my estate and my mate. Kieran had three in his house. Like, <laughs> yeah. That was the thing that I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense, and this isn't fair. That was the thing as a kid that I if there, were, if there was comparing to do. Yeah. But as a as a performer and as an actor and as a presenter, even at the youngest of ages, I was like, I'm not like mm. anyone else. I'm me. Yeah. So I, I started out in a in a drama group, a local community drama club that taught us so many mantras. Us being the kids that came through there. One of them was, "There's no such thing as star and fame." And yeah. one of the things that Anish used to say, so it was run by this lady called Anish. amazing, amazing matriarch, my first mentor, right? Mm. such a beautiful, incredible woman. And um, she used to have this kid, and she used to say this thing every week that I still say now, and it's quite funny, and I only say it around people that went to Anish because they get it. And it was one of those incredible lessons that you only realise in hindsight what you were getting from it. So there was this kid in our class called Ken Romano, right? Handsome kid, always immaculately turned out, beautiful manners really really handsome really really well like just just really beautifully put together right He would offer himself up to help out. He would turn up early. He would stay late and clean up and all the rest of it. And whenever Anna needed anything, she would go, Ken, darling, Ken, can you move my tambourine to the other side of the thing? (laughs) Ken would move it and she'd go, oh, Ken, you're so lovely. Ken, in fact, class, why can't we all be like Ken Romano? (laughs) And she used to say that all the time. Why can't we all be like Ken Romano? And then the whole class would say in unison, because we're all individuals. And she'd do that maybe three times a class. Why mm. can't we all be like Ken? Right, that was a great improvisation. Why can't we all be like Ken? Rose? because we're all individuals. I was saying that for a decade, mm. from the age of eight to eighteen. By eighteen, you're going and you're rolling yeah. your eyes. But ten years later, at twenty-eight, I'm sort of going, "Holy cow!" I, I understood the power of me mm. from when I was in primary school, mm. and understood that my individuality is my superpower. And that was something that was given to me as a kid.
0: Mm. Yeah, if you could do some kind of visual flash on the screen and pause and zoom in at that <laughs> point. Because I think that's a gift to not compare yourself to anybody else and understand that you have unique talents and a purpose and you're meant to be who you are. Yeah. And I believe a curse, because I've had my head in both camps, is where you're idolising people, trying to overly model them or comparing yourself to other people.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I've never done that. No. I've never sort of idolised anyone. And I remember when I was in, in kids' TV, that was in the era of like your smash hits and your sugar and all of these teen magazines. You used to always have to do these stupid interviews with really annoying questions like... In five words, describe. And you're like, oh, I don't want to do this. Wait a minute, I better edit my questions <laughs> oh, Crap, sorry. You're not, sorry, sorry, sorry yeah. Walked us into a conversation cul de sac. Yeah. Um, anyway, I was always asked these silly, silly questions uh, by these magazines. And one of them was uh, that I was asked on a regular basis Who's your hero? Who do you look up to? And I can never answer the mm. question. Because I've never looked at someone and gone, I want what you have. Yeah. Or I want to walk the same path that you have. I'll look at someone and go, I really admire what you've achieved. Yeah. I admire the person that you are that's the in your career. It? Yeah. yeah. It's admiring someone and saying, okay, there are points um, in your career or moments that you've achieved or created that I would like to emulate mm. but in my way. Yeah, And from a young age, that's always been the way that I've seen people that exist in the lane that I want to exist in. Mm. I've never wanted to be Martin Scorsese, but I love his work. And if things go the way that I plan as a filmmaker, what my work is known for will be just as important in its own way. Mm. Yeah, one of my
0: heroes had always been, and still is, but to, um, I think, a more realistic level now is Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, I don't do weight, so why am I comparing himself to that? I just think I like the way he's... His mindset. Yeah, his his mindset, and and a bit like you have as well controlling your own career and then reinventing that career mm. on your terms and doing things that society would perceive you can't do. Mm. And I think where I got better at using role models is them inspiring me but to want to be a better version of me absolutely, rather than, than me wanting to be more like them. I've been very fortunate to meet Arnold Schwarzenegger and spend quite a lot of time with him. And, and I realized that you know I'm different and that's okay. Hmm. Um, and I just, yeah, so, so using people to make you want to be a better version of you that's because we're all inspired by people, absolutely, it's just not sticking them up too high, I suppose. Yeah.
1: Well, for me, it's about having the self awareness to know what you're good at and what you're not good at, and doubling down on the things that you're great at, and in investing so much time and energy into that, mm. I know that. It's pointless to try and be someone else. Yeah. Like, I admire Usain Bolt. I'm never gonna run 100 meters in mm. the speed that he runs. I admire Michael Phelps. But, I, I, you know, I can get by in a pool, but I'm not Olymp- <laughs> get by. I can get by. Yeah. I, can my <laughs> yeah. I can do my lengths. I can do my lengths, but I'm not Olympic standard yeah. and I never wanna be. And I think part of the reason that um, I uh, find myself in really interesting conversations through doing Q&A or doing talks or whatever, even situations like this, is that a lot of the time people project onto you who they want you to be or they project onto you who they think that you see yourself as being. And people often refer to me these days as a journalist, which I think is hilarious because first and foremost... My suits are way nicer than most of these flipping <laughs> journalists. Um, <laughs> no, you almost it, sounded metrosexual. <laughs> you said. Mate, that, like, have you seen yeah. my flipping scarf? Yeah, sounded. Yeah. I am yeah. flipping metrosexual. What are you, you talking are, about? Man. Do you know how many moisturizers <laughs> I've got on right now, mate? I cleansed this morning. You've um, definitely used a ruler there as well. <laughs> that's, just a, that's just a damn good bar. <laughs> yeah. Shout out slider cuts. Uh, <laughs> no, I, um, I, I, I'm not a journalist. No. And I never have wanted to be one. But because uh, some of the things that I do in my documentaries are challenging in the way that sometimes uh, factual content is that is usually fronted by crusty old journalists, people lump me in in the same category. Mm. And I always push back and say, look, I'm just a guy who's interested in people. And I'm fortunate enough to be able to do that on a platform that millions watch, you know, be that Netflix or the BBC. Now, if that means that I'm a journalist in your eyes, great. I feel that I'm just telling stories and I'm being as authentic as I can in the moment. And if that makes me a journalist, great, but I don't think I actually am.
0: No, I think everyone's trying, No, everyone is projecting who they perceive you to be or what they want you to do mm. onto you. I think that's a natural human trait. Right. Um, you know, like when we discuss ideas and opinions, ultimately, we're trying to convince others that our opinions are right, and they put they therefore put labels onto us. Mm. They don't do that on purpose to hurt us or box us. It's just they how they understand. How do I understand Reggie? Because Reggie isn't very understandable. Yeah. If you think society, well, you, one person does this and one person does that.
1: Yeah. You must get. I see it a different way. Yeah, no, please. I think the people that get it right are the people that don't try and convince anyone. They just are. I think if you just are, people will either get it. Mm. Or they'll catch up. That takes a lot
0: of spiritual mastery and self-awareness to get to that level.
1: And that's why there's not many people that are there. You just, people will get it or they'll catch up eventually. And that's how I feel. Um, To be defined by what you do is unfortunately something that happens now. Mm. And the minute people decide that you're one thing, they want you to stay there because they've got you figured out. Yes. Quote unquote, whatever that means.
0: And they understand
1: you. And then that's simple for them in their world. But if you decide that you're not what they think you are, what happens then? I realised a long time ago that... Usually the, people reject you, I guess. Well, I think it's the biggest waste of energy to yeah. try and control the way that other people think. Yeah. You can never change someone else's mind until they decide to change it themselves, that's right? right? Mm. So uh, for me, I just am. Yeah. I know what I want and that might change tomorrow and mm. that's okay. But at no point am I doing or being for anybody mm. else. Mm. You know, the people that I love and that I care about, I live to help and support and be there for them, but I will never be uh, a way that they want me to be, regardless of how important they are to me. Mm. I think that is really powerful. Um,
0: I just wrote a new book which comes out next year. It's called I'm Worth More. And a a big point I try and make in the book is, you are not defined by anything you do, or anything anyone says, or any mistakes you make. So it's like a lot of people, you know, like, let's say... I think this is one of the reasons why you've been able to dance with your career and take it where you want to go, because mm-hmm. you, you dance can, on you beat. can, yeah, exactly. You can own being an actor, or mm. you can let it go.
1: because
0: yeah. an actor isn't who Reggie is. Reggie yeah. is Reggie. Yeah. you can own being a, a DJ, and then you can walk away from it because mm. you're not putting who you are on a DJ, a presenter, mm. or an actor. You are something bigger, you know, more transcendent. Whatever word you yeah. want, that, want that's to use,
1: kind of why I'll never list what I do in the bio part of any social media. No, you let
0: Wikipedia do that yeah. for you. Yeah, <laughs> and, and it's
1: all wrong on Wikipedia. I mean, some of it's yeah, right, but yeah. most of it's of course, wrong. Yeah. And it's really, I, I find it brilliant because when I, I get interviewed by people, I know if they've used Wikipedia or not because there are certain things that they say in certain quotes I make that are just wrong. And yeah. I like it being wrong yeah. because it's not written by me mm. and I have no no part of it. It's yeah. nice that some of it's right and that people care enough to amend it, Yeah, I ain't amending it, you no. know? So yeah, I, I, Find it quite funny. Yeah. So your career that
0: that you've moved along. I yeah. think I know the answers, but I want to answer it anyway yeah. because and the reason I'm banging this drum. One is because my podcast is for entrepreneurs and their biggest leap of faith is going from the job that they have sold themselves out on for twenty or thirty years right. into the unknown, risky world of starting their own business yeah. or the new business or the scaling up. Which of course I've gone through a lot. Yeah. Um. So are there any parts of your career progression, let's call it that, yep. you know, your journey through life where you look back and go, do you know what, I should have done more of that. And let me give an example because I like this creative freedom where I can move and do what I want. You asked me what I did earlier and mm-hmm. I've done a lot of things. I bought property, retired from property, property training business, wrote loads of books, podcasts. I'm so like actually I don't know what the hell I do. Um,
1: Best way to be. Yeah,
0: I, I feel like I I can move through. But then I look at someone like Warren Buffett. Mm-hmm. Or Gary Vaynerchuk, who you mentioned earlier. And I think they've been doing one thing for a damn long time. Like Warren Buffett's been doing the same thing for 75 mm. years. I love his documentary. I love studying him. And I think, man, if I just pick one of the things I did and I've done them for 35 years, I'd be dangerous right yeah. now.
1: Yeah. You never think that? No. No. I, I know that if I did do... You know, it's weird. I've had this conversation several times because I know that if I only did one thing, I would be much further along. But that doesn't fulfil me. No. I need to be constantly creatively uh, shocked, for want of a better word. Like I need to feel uncomfortable Mm. to find the to to find the inspiration to push myself and learn more. You know, I left radio one after a decade, not because I was fired, but because I stopped learning. For me, if I'm not learning anymore or if I'm not inspired, there's no point in being there. I'm not doing anyone a a favour. By just coasting, yeah. and at no point have I ever coasted. So I've walked away from things, not knowing what's coming next, and been okay. You're not, not being scared. No, absolutely not. Oh. I believe myself. Yeah, <laughs> I trust myself, and it sounds like such a weird thing uh, that so few people do. But I, I don't understand why it's such a problem for us to believe in ourselves. Mm. Like I believe in my talent. I believe that I'm good enough at um, what it is I've chosen to do with my life. Mm. Therefore. With me putting the, the right amount of work in, it's inevitable that it's going to come together yeah. because I have that level of faith, mm. you know? Um, so it's faith, funny you mentioned... Faith, faith. Well, yeah, in myself. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that you mentioned new business. I'm actually finally launching my own production company next year. I've danced and toyed with the idea um, for as long as I can remember, but this is the first time I will have a real business, like a real business with investment, with staff and so on and so forth. And it's time, mm. you know, I said it when we first started talking, nothing happens before it should. And everything happens, like God's time is the best is something my mum always says. And mm. I really stand by that, because when, when the stars align, you can feel it. Yeah. And when it all feels natural, when it feels as if it was meant to happen in that time, it's undeniable. Mm. And that's where things are beginning to go for me mm. now.
0: Okay, so let, let's chat about that then.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: so maybe this balance we have between persistence and patience, because you're a hard worker, and so you know the graft and the persistence and the not giving up and the nagging at the people that you nag and the taking all the rejection that you've got to take. Absolutely. You know that's a part of your success. But what you said there was also a bit of a paradox in that, hey, man, when the stars align, I'll be ready. Yeah. So is, how do you dance with that paradox of no one to push and no one to wait? Well, that's a very good question. I think if you don't... Uh, sorry, just while you're doing this, Harry, this keeps turning itself off. Can you just...
1: Yeah, thanks. No worries.
0: And, and that, you'll see my bald patch from that. <laughs> <laughs> um,
1: I'll pick up clean for you. Oh. Um, I think if you don't... I'll let this person go. Such a profession. We just keep all this stuff in. Oh, dear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Well, this is going to be weird. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think if you don't understand the power of hard work and luck, then you're completely ignoring one of the two mm. because you can't have success without both, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, yes, uh, you can throw into the mix this idea of the stars aligning, which I do all the time. Mm. Some people might call it luck. I think it's just timing. Yeah. Um, I don't know. You can define it in any way you want, but I think you have to really invest in your craft, mm-hmm. whatever that may be. You have to become obsessed by it and die by it, you know? Yeah. Um, but then at the same time, if you're working as hard as you should be on the thing that you really believe in and the thing that you're really invested in, eventually there will be an opening and you will be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. So I feel that that opening is what's happening now. Yeah. Yeah. So the, there's
0: something I've always wanted to say and I've not really known how to say it. I'll try it now and yeah. let's see how it goes. But I think media is basically terrible news and sometimes really great news. It's really, you know, the reality in the middle, mm. which like you said hard work luck. Mm. Um, I think, you know, a lot of books and influencers, you know, there's only one way to be successful. You're a hard worker or you're lucky. It's 10,000 hours or it's genetics, in my studies and exploration of being a, a student of personal development, I feel like if you can embrace the paradox of both sides, you know, the persistence. I mean, if you know, hard work. Okay, well, you can you can work 14 hours a day on the wrong thing mm. and, and work really hard going in the wrong direction. Mm. Or, you know, like let's say, you know, I wanted to meet you and um, get you on my podcast. If I found you up every five minutes and image every 10 minutes, you can be like, well, this guy can get lost because he's annoying me. So there's persistence to a point. Mm. And then you have to wait and go... Reggie wants to do the interview great and if not I've got then, oh,
1: that's where self-awareness comes in. Yeah. yeah. If you're not like I, like we've spoken about Gary Vaynerchuk he he preaches about self-awareness. Mm. Thankfully I've got a bloody good therapist and it was on my radar prior to finding Gary V, but yeah. he just made me understand it even more in the business context. Mm. If you're not self-aware you're asking for trouble. Yeah. Because you need to know yourself well enough to know what you're good at and what you're not good at yeah. and when you're coming across in a way that maybe is putting you in the wrong direction or pushing you away from where you want to get to. Or Mm. if you're pissing people off or if you're annoying people or if you're spamming people, you know, you need to be aware enough of those things. Otherwise you're just asking for trouble, I think.
0: Mm. And how do you become self-aware?
1: Know what you're good at. Yeah. Be very sure about what you're not good at. Yeah. And listen. I think if you're not willing to listen and if you don't have people around you that are honest and transparent, mm-hmm. you're going to be in trouble. Because yeah. I'm really glad that I've got people around me who can say, oh, mate, you're being a dickhead today. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, that was, that was a bit shit. Oh, yeah, I saw that thing you did. It was okay, but you need to do work. Like That was one of the reasons that I knew that acting wasn't for me because I didn't care enough. And that started to show in the work. Yeah, I'd fallen out of love with it. And I could pull out my little violin and say it was because of the sort of roles that I was being offered. You know, there's only so many times that you can be offered. Well, I played Nathan four times yeah. and he was the best friend of the white central character. As a young black kid, that's going to knock you a little bit mm. in terms of the sort of work that you're doing, you know. Yeah. But I wouldn't say that's the reason I stopped caring. I think I stopped caring because it just didn't feel as though it was the full creative experience. Yeah. To have a kernel of an idea and see it out into a moment where you're stood on set and there's 100 people doing what you asked them to do, that for me is creatively fulfilling, as mm-hmm. opposed to being given lines and being told to learn them.
0: Yeah. I i think this. I, I mean, look, what, I could do hours on self-awareness because, I mean, for me, in my opinion – Business mastery is self-mastery. Okay. Um, and, you know, if you can't control your own emotions, how are you going to be able to direct your staff's emotions? How are you going to be able to look after your customers if you can't control yours? And I used to have a lot of sort of anger issues. And it wasn't because I was an angry person. It's because I couldn't handle no confrontation. So I'd store, bottle, store, bottle, store, bottle, because I I couldn't handle any confrontation. Did you
1: ever sort of explode?
0: Yeah, every six or twelve months, I just have the biggest absolute meltdown. Flip, you know, and whatever would it be,
1: like at the, the the person behind the till at Tesco. Well, uh, like, it would it it actually
0: normally be around the the people that I loved and cared about the most. Unfortunately, um, or it would be well, at staff or or whatever. And I, I quickly learned if you do that, you lose customers and you lose staff. So how did you learn how to control it? Uh, because it cost me money, and I don't like m- m- me costing me money. And I saw the reactions. Um, yeah, an example, if you ever say to anyone, you work for me, that's, that that, that, that mm. day is the... But everyone thinks if you hire staff, you think they work for you. No one works for you. Everyone yeah, works with themselves. you. themselves. Well, I
1: think they work with you, really. Yeah, they it's do. collaborative, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. But people are working with you to pay their mortgage, of to course. spend time with their kids. Yeah. They're not working for you, but I think a lot of people when they start business, that's what they perceive. And yeah. so, I mean, business is a great educator of managing yourself mm. um, because... If you don't, then you just push staff, customers, yeah. and you know, and, and everyone away. Um, but like talking to you, it's like I get this sense that you're very self-aware and, and and you know it. But how can we help people who struggle with this? You know, some people they don't believe they're good at anything, right. and they need people yeah. like you and me to say, actually, you are. You've yes. just got to find it and own it. And then there are a lot of blaggers out there who are actually trying to overegg what they're not good at. You know, I stopped blagging years ago. I've blagged. But now I just don't want to blag anymore because I don't want to attract the wrong people into my life by pretending to be something I'd rather leverage. If I'm no good at it, you can do it. Yes. Um, rather than blag that I'm mm. good at it. But, you know, like if self awareness were easy and you read a book and you're self aware, then everyone would be self aware and we'd all be loving each other and helping mm. each other. And
1: Well, I think a lot of it comes from empathy, really. Mm. Um, if you're able to uh, empathize with someone else and, and put yourself in their shoes, that's the beginning of starting to see yourself through someone else's eyes. Mm. I think. And that's the really important thing is being able to step outside yourself and saying, hang on, how did what I just did make everyone else feel? How did what I just say uh, affect the room negatively or positively? Mm. And it's that thing of being able to step outside yourself and know whether or not you're being a good person or a bad person and also being able to, see the world through somebody else's eyes. Yeah. I think if you can do that, that's the beginning of starting to be self-aware mm. personally. Yeah. And for me, that's been a skill that's really been turned up to 10 through making documentaries because you are exhausted at the end of the day because you've been empathizing and bring yourself to an emotional uh, level playing field with someone, regardless of how difficult or or, or or painful the experience they're speaking to actually is. Yeah. And that's draining. Yes. At the same time, in being so empathetic and finding that level of connection, they give so much. Mm. And that's a really delicate thing to have in your hands. And it's something that you have to respect. Yeah. So there are like pluses and negatives to this whole empathy thing. Because if you understand the skill of being able to empathize, you also know that you could use it for the powers of evil. Yeah. Or <laughs> take on their pain. That too. Yeah, yeah. You know, you can. you can key in to somebody's pain and somebody's yeah. issues and you can use it mm. if, you're a, if you're an evil person yeah, yeah. or you can support them in that and know okay this is a sore area therefore I'm going to be very gentle whenever it comes to anything close to that mm. or whenever we're doing anything that might trigger them I have to be aware that that's the trigger yeah. you know so it's, it's that thing of seeing the world through somebody else's eyes and putting yourself in someone else's shoes and also knowing how what you're saying and doing may be seen by other people. Mm. It sounds like a lot of stuff, but it's really small stuff that you can start to work on in in different ways. I'll tell you something I, I started doing a little while ago, right? Um, Please don't think I'm a massive wanker for saying this. <laughs> I'm going to sound like one in saying it, right? Have a go. Too and we'll late. Judge later, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've seen the scarf. Too late. <laughs> the wanker decision has been made. <laughs> oh, geez. i probably just wear how much that probably hurt the microphone. <laughs> anyway, um, I'll stop flapping my scarf now. Um, all right. Small print done. I genuinely feel that the only way to really exist in this world is to walk in love. And that sounds ridiculous. And it sounds like I should be selling a really shitty book. But the truth is, I feel that. The energy that you carry and the energy that you bring to any any situation determines the way in which that situation will go. And so I sort of banner it as walk in love, right? So your interaction with a traffic warden, your interaction with somebody in traffic. You know, if somebody is screaming and shouting and going mental at you in traffic and you put your hands up and you go, do you know what? Cool, whatever. Mm. You're right, I'm wrong. A lot of the time they don't quite know what to do, mm. especially if you're stuck and they can't go anywhere. Yeah. They'll keep shouting. Mm. Until they don't anymore, yeah. And then there's that weird moment where they kind of go, "Oh, you're not giving me back the energy that I gave you." Mm. What now? And that's the thing I love. I love to be in that "what now" position. Yeah. Like if you're at work and someone's like, "Oh my god!" Like in, in in TV, for instance, the schedule is 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 so important. If you overrun, it's like, "Oh my god, this is costing us so much." La, la, la. Yeah. Oh, I'm supposed <laughs> to go here after. We're gonna finish an hour late. La, la, la. Okay, you're gonna be gonna be an hour late. Right, I'll put you in a cab and you'll get there ten minutes early. What yeah. now? Mm. Well, now, all of that stuff that you just brought to this table isn't about this thing that's happening. It's about something else. So let's park that and ask what the hell was going on with Mm. you. And when you start to have those kind of conversations with people, the connections that you make are so authentic and so real that that idea of walking in love just ends up warp speeding you into real relationships, platonic, financial, business, romantic, whatever those relationships are you are on the fast track to being at a beautiful place of intimacy yeah. because there's no bullshit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad you said that because I agree, but I think I'd have lost half my subscribers if I
1: said it. Really? <laughs> no, Why? I'm just joking. Because I sound like a scarf
0: wearing Yeah, nin- no, yeah No, because I just, I think that the way you said it is great. And I have a mentor who's in his 60s, he's probably, I've done a lot of personal development. I don't know anyone on the planet who knows as much as him. Um, and he's been teaching me for a long time. He says, Rob, the only two transcendent human emotions that rise above all are gratitude and love. Hmm. Um, and I've been trying to get my head around what that means because I'm 39 and he's 60-odd. He's got a lot more life experience than me. Uh, and I think the way that you've said it is a way I would have liked to have said it which is if you give out gratitude to people or you even give out gratitude to your mistakes, you give out gratitude to your challenges, you give out gratitude to your critics. Mm. The first thing is it doesn't ruin your life or your day or derail you from your mission, but it also changes other people around you. So I had a guy who sent me a one-minute um, audio message on Facebook. I get hundreds of messages on social media every day. I, I struggle to get through them all. I mean, someone like you must have way more than me, but I get a lot. And every now and again, someone will do an audio message, and I'll listen because I thought, oh, that's a bit of a right Which is, I'll have to do that more to people I want to get in touch with. And he basically went, you're a money-grabbing, evil, this, that, the other. You don't help people. You rob off them. The millions that you make are taking from others. And he went on a tirade. Um, and um, and I went, um, it's not quite like that. I've actually written a book on money and I give all the um, money that from the book to my foundation because he was accusing me of making money by writing a book on money. And we had about a 20 minute dialogue and I won him round. And at the end, he just said, look, I'm sorry, I'd had a bad day. You were there. I chewed it onto you. Um, it's really kind that you'd respond. I didn't expect that. My wife's just told me off for having a go at you. We do this and that. And then he said, oh, I've got a charity as well. I help people. And I said, it's great what you're doing. I donated to his charity. And 10 years ago, I'd have torn him one back because I'd have felt like he was a going at me. But but I think it, he, it helped that it was on Facebook and he yeah. wasn't in my face because I, would I have been the same? I don't. But you're exactly right. It's not about yeah. you. So when you care to understand what they're going through. I mean, someone who cuts you up in the motorway, they could, their kid could have a nut allergy, which my son has, and he could be about to die and they're racing to hospital. Mm-hmm. How do you not know that? Yeah, exactly. Um,
1: it's not about you. No. It's one of the most beautiful things that yeah. I learned and, and I had to learn that at quite a young age because when you're on the telly, yeah, as we say here in London. Yeah, you say in the UK. You must get a load of. Shit you get and grief a lot of in, hate. Do yeah. you know what? I'm. I mean, I'm probably touch wood saying this isn't going to change it, but I'm one of the fortunate few that doesn't. Mm. In nearly thirty years on being on telly, wow. I can count on one hand yeah. the times that come to mind that people mm. have said something not very nice. Mm. I don't really get that, mm. and it's it's a beautiful thing, but what you do get is a lot of inbound because of that. You get people uh, either on social media, in the street, wherever you go. Uh, And because of the nature of the way that I carry myself and the work that I've done, people feel that they know me. You know, if you're in your mid-twenties now, you've grown up with me on television. There's like a generation of kids. Like I DJed at um, a thing for a university recently. And, you know, it's like 2,000 kids. And as I was walking out, they were like, oh, we grew up with you. We grew up watching you. We love you. And it's really nice. Mm. But I... I feel really proud of that because they're still with me. You know, they were sat in their PJs cross-legged watching me as a kid eating Mm. cereal on Saturday morning. Right. And then as they've grown up, my content has matured because I've grown up too. And now I'm making content that speaks to what I care about. And as they're coming out of university or or they're in their early 20s, they are now asking questions about the world. And they're coming to my content because they know me. Or at least they feel that they know me. Yeah. So when they see me on the street, it's like, "You're right, Reg." Like, but yeah, I do, mate. And we have these conversations. And if I'm with someone that I've just met, or if I'm on a date, they'll be like, "Oh, so you know that person?" And I'm like, "No, I don't." <laughs> yeah. But I kind of do. Yeah. And it's a really M- must beautiful... look good on a date. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, like, you know everyone. <laughs> if I'm honest, I, I don't like it. <laughs> <I'm not> <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> it's joking. the worst thing that I can happen yeah, on a yeah. date. If I'm honest, um, but it's lovely because of the nature of it. Yeah. And I feel really blessed because the nature of it is really. Warm. It's very familiar. But at the same time, I have to know that that level of inbound stuff is going to be constant and it's going to happen regardless of how I'm feeling or whatever's going on in my life. So if I've just had an argument with my missus or my mum's just said something really shitty and I didn't like it and I've had to hold it down because I don't want to annoy my mum and then someone comes to me and (laughs) goes, and
0: they're in your face,
1: you... It's the small print. Yeah. For me it's the small print of being able to be paid very well to do what you love. Mm. How you do anything is how you do everything. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's a it's a unfortunate sidebar, mm. but I've got no choice but to deal with it. It's part of it. And I'm just really glad that those interruptions, if you will, aren't negative. Yeah. They're not oh I dickhead. Yeah. Which a lot of people get. Mm. I don't get that. People stop me and say to me, I really love the thing that you did in Russia and I want to talk to you about it. So my problem is not being able to give people the time that they want as opposed to having to deal with negativity being thrown my way. Mm. So I'm very happy with my lot. But at the same time, it's managing those relationships and understanding that if somebody wants to speak to you at length about a film that I made on autism, for instance regardless of me having time or not, it doesn't matter because yeah. it's not about me. Mm. It's about them. And I'll try and explain why I can't have the conversation, yeah. but I will hear them out. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm late a lot because of that.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not about me. It's never about me. It's not about you. I think that is the, the powerful statement um, because as soon as you make someone else's agenda about yours, you take it on and then you react putting your agenda back to them soon as you realize it's never about you, it's always mm-hmm. about them, you're able to not react. Now, I believe that um, self-awareness, and there may be more facets, I believe one really big element of self-awareness is managing your emotions. Now, you talk through something whereby like you might have had an argument with your Um, missus, your mum might have Hmm. stabbed you a bit and cut through with a comment and then someone comes up in the street who doesn't know any of that stuff and is hoping that you're the smiley guy that they see on TV. For me, that self-awareness is managing your emotions and going, okay, I've had an argument with the missus, my mum's hit hit me where it hurts, breathe, let's let's not bring that
1: into the world, mate, nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm not perfect at it. I don't get it right every time, but I'm getting it right more often now than not. And that's a and continual practice. Exactly, I'm learning how to be better at yeah. that because now there are more people than ever before who want to speak to me mm. on the street, and I've made peace with that. Yeah. And so I am getting better at it because I'm getting more practice. Yeah. It's just the of time wasn't.
0: management needs to catch up with it.
1: Basically, yeah. yeah. Like if uh, yeah, I'm getting better at yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And I think I'm more uh, more on the money with it now than I ever have been. And I'm also really pleased at the fact that I'm able to be consistent. Yeah. Because the way I'm talking to you is the way I'll talk to my pals, I'll talk to my mum, I'll talk to my mates. It doesn't change anywhere I go. Yeah. And that consistency, I think, allows me to have a dialogue with someone on the street where if they'll stop me and I go, Do you know what? I'm so sorry, but I haven't got the time. Yeah. And they're saying the line. I'm genuinely 10 minutes late. Um, but look, thank you so much for saying what yeah. you said. Shout me on social media and I'll try and message you back. Yeah. Do you know what, mate? Do your thing. Yeah. And it's. It's human interaction. Yeah, yeah. It's not. I'm too busy. Yeah, and a flap of the scarf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 Even though I look like I should be good, <laughs> yeah. I should be that guy, but yeah. it's not that.
0: No, no, I get that. I get that. It's funny. I am um, built a property company for, a, and for nine years, no one knew who who I was really like out on the street. Um, and since this podcast, every time I go out, I get recognised quite a lot. Probably yes. not, certainly not at your level, but I love it. And I'm really grateful for yeah. it. And I can't understand. Okay. If I had 50 people every five seconds, that's going to be hard. And like you said, if people are <laughs> chucking stuff, but I really love it. Yeah. And if I'm busy and going somewhere and someone's talking about like, walk with me yeah. and we'll walk together. And yeah. I'm like walking down the stairs, up the stairs, around and mountain. Yeah. Um, hey, I might be saying something different in 10 years.
1: Um, I'm, but not I'm really grateful ideas, for yet. it. Listen, I am as well yeah. because to me, it's a measure of the quality of what it is that I'm doing, and the people that you're reaching and the lives that you're changing. Well, the, the nice thing about about the situation that we're speaking of, because it sounds quite similar to me, is that they're not stopping you and talking to you about your haircut. No, they're not no, stopping they're like, you and talking to your, to your Podcast.
0: You. And, and they're not yeah. talking
1: to you about your girlfriend. No, they know you for what you do. Yeah, and that's all that matters to them. Yeah, and that's the way. I want things to be with my relationship, with my audience, yeah. like with my friends, if you will, mm. with the people that consume my content. However, you want to frame it, yeah. they talk to me about my podcast, they talk to me about my documentaries, and they might talk to me about stuff I've done in the past.
0: Mm.
1: Either way, I'm happy to talk about all of those things because I'm proud of all of them. Yeah, you know, um, and I've actively not been Mister Personal Life in the press guy. Yeah, my personal life has found its way into the press either because of nosy journalism or because a bad choice of partner Mm. who isn't as private as I am. But now as a single man, the parameters are very clear in terms of what it is I want in a relationship and what I need, because I know that I need someone who sees the world the way that I do Mm. for me to be able to be in a relationship with them and to be able to retain that privacy, which is incredibly important because so much of what I do is public Mm. and I give so much, you know, I'm on my way here. I was in traffic and um, I pulled my car over and switched off my engine before I checked my phone. And um, <laughs> I, had a, I had a message from someone saying that they watched my Who Do You Think You Are last night. Yeah, I didn't even know it was on. I don't know where they watched it. They might have seen it on iPlayer. It might have been a repeat. They might have watched it on YouTube. Who knows? But they watched it. And they sent me this very long message about how much it taught them about me, but also made them look into their family. And it's beautiful mm. that piece of content that I've created has done that, yeah. but at the same time, that's my family history. Yeah. You know, that person who I've never met knows what my great grandmother looks like, mm. knows my grandfather's name, knows how my grandparents met, knows my father's name, see my mother's face. You know, yeah. knows all of these things about my family without seeing, without, without me knowing them or mm. ever meeting them. And I share and give so much that I think I'm allowed to have a personal life, yeah. and I think people respect that trade off because. I've never put my personal life out there.
0: Yeah. So that was question one. <laughs> like I said, this is. Um, brother, I'm really enjoying this. Yes, yeah, uh, really, really nice chat. Appreciate you you coming down. Anytime. Um, you must have learned so much from doing all your documentaries. Okay. You know, meeting all the people that you have in the crazy, extreme, whatever you grimy, whatever you define their situations, environments. Mm. Can you think of anything that you've learned from doing these documentaries? Jesus, how and, long you got, bro? Got as long as you want. My tra- <laughs> my, I put my train back for seven o'clock.
1: If I got that on, every episode is a learning experience. Yeah. Um, the thing that I, I'm really um, proud of is that every film stands on its own too, regardless mm. of whether it's part of a series of films or not. Yeah. So we did Extreme UK, Russia, Australia, South Africa. Mm. Um, you know, we went to different territories as part of the extreme strand. And then in making one-off films like a film in Ferguson or a film in Chicago or uh, a film on Grenfell, you know, I've made lots of films over the years that talk about different things, but every film has its own uh, narrative and has its own point to make. And the thing that I'm really proud of about those films is that I have found this really beautiful balance now in documentary making where we are speaking to an issue through the prism of people. I don't do the journalist thing and start with the theses and go about proving it over 60 minutes. What I do is I start by saying, this is what I know about subject X, or this is how I feel about subject X, or this is how I'm connected to subject X. And we're going to see what happens when I meet the people who live subject X. We then spend time with them. And then at the end, almost in every film, it ends on a question. Mm. The beautiful thing about ending on a question is that the people watching can then have a conversation and they then have all these different pieces of the conversation to draw from to inform their opinion. And that way, I think you're getting a a conversation about an issue in a really beautiful, authentic and rounded way as opposed to me saying, this is how I feel about this and I'm going to present to you 50 different people that think the same thing as me. Because you're not learning anything Yeah, I'm going to convince you of my opinion by the end of this hour. That is the way that a lot of journalists work. It's not how I work.
0: Yeah, I'm actually really glad I have zero experience in that world because then it hasn't been able to colour, Yes. Um, you know, like, okay, I had six questions here for you, but I had no uh, outcome as such yeah. other than to hopefully get the world or the world that follow my podcast to get to know who you are. Uh, that's
1: really one. kind. Um. um yeah. that's, that's the best way to go about it. You know, on, on my podcast or in my documentaries, it's the same thing. I'm just in constant pursuit of conversation. Yeah. I hate interviews. Mm. I love conversation. Right. And if you frame it that way in your mind, instantly the edge is taken off of yeah, what yeah, happens. Yeah. So, you know, over the years, you pick up different techniques, uh, hosting the chart show on Radio 1, you get three minutes with the biggest pop star in the world. Yeah. And in that time, you've got to fulfil the, um, the questions that the label want answered, that, the, that your producer want answered. But at the same time, as, as the host... You're like, how can I make this different to every other interview this person has done? Mm. How can I make this entertaining for the people at home? And you've got three minutes to do. That is a mission. It's flipping difficult. But the nice thing is you pick up technique. So while they're settling in, you say something silly. You make a joke. You take the piss out of their cowboy boots. You know, you make a comment about something they're wearing. And then you start to have a conversation that isn't about the subject. Yeah they warm up, their shoulders drop. Yeah. Then you're in and you're in in a warmer way and there's little bits of technique that you pick up that you carry on into. things. So that little thing from radio that I learned in documentary while someone's being mic'd up. Yes. That's when you have, that's when you do the annoying first three or four questions that you would have done on camera. Right. You do that then, you break them down and then when you start on camera, not only are they relaxed, they feel a little bit more comfortable and in that moment you can get to who they really are and I'm fascinated by the why. Yeah. You know, sob the what. Yeah. I don't care about the what. what we'll talk about the what, yeah. but the why. Like, if you're talking, like, I, I get asked all the time about the Russian series I made and how I was able to navigate this onslaught of racism to my face. I wasn't interested in what they had to say, because as far as I was concerned, that was passive. That made no sense. It was stupid. It was ignorant. It was backward. But why do you feel that way? Mm. Where does this racism come from? How were you raised? What environment have you have you come from? What environment has tainted you so much that you feel this way? That's the interesting stuff.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I t- certainly don't see myself as a an expert interviewer. Um, Neither do I. No. When I started doing this podcast, I'd done a lot of public speaking, right. a lot. Um, and so I thought, oh, this would be a doddle. I can public speak. I can interview. <laughs> I was totally wrong about that it's a completely different thing Mm -hmm. Um, and so we got to hang out for a few minutes before which I think really helped Um, whereas on the other hand I interviewed Jordan Peterson who's huge at the moment and um, they were late their team brought him in late Um, you got um, Harry you got held in like a basically as if you were like to create a crime committed a crime and they didn't let my team in and then Harry had to come in and do the quickest setup ever Um, Jordan Peterson's known for doing like three hour chats and we got like 40 minutes with him, didn't we? And I could see he was a bit frosty at first. I don't know this guy. Mm. Is he going to try and catch me out? And I was therefore a bit reacting to that. And we just got in and that started getting some great moments. And then his publicist came in and was like, bang, that's over. And so what you're saying about like connecting with people before and understanding the human dynamic as well as the job to get the Mm. interviews in. And I think that's a good analogy for life, really.
1: Yeah, I think fortunately or unfortunately in this business, if you have a certain level of success, half of that work is already done. Like it's way easier for me to have conversation here mm. than anywhere else in the world because people know me here and yeah. I've been around for a long time now in the UK. Mm. For instance, we made this documentary on the Grenfell tragedy, mm. right? Yeah. And I was at the Memorial Wall and I'm looking at different pictures and dedications to people that lost their lives and a white band Um, pulls up and the geezer leans out the window and he goes, Oi, Reg, are you making a documentary? I was like, yeah. He goes, are you making it on Grenfell? I went, yeah. He went, come over. I've got a survivor in the van. Wow. I'm like, okay. He pulls over. I walk around. The cameras are with me this whole time. We walk around across the street. We go over and the kid goes, I've not spoken to anyone, but I trust you. So I'm going to talk to you. Right, yeah. And he then told me his story of how he escaped and tried to save his neighbours, but couldn't. And this is a kid who still had the shakes. He's on medication. He's trying to get through... The trauma, and because he's seen some of my docs, because he watched me introduce cartoons, yeah. because he saw me on top of the pops, because he knows that there is a constant thread of authenticity in who yeah. I am, yeah. that he knows I'm not going to try and stitch him up, mm. and he trusts me, yeah. and that relationship is so beautiful and so sacred for me as a filmmaker here in the UK yeah. that I will never neglect it, but I also understand it and understand how fragile it is. Yeah. So. I'm doing everything I can to make sure that I don't damage that.
0: And that really inspires me, by the way, because that's what I'm trying to achieve. Uh, And I've interviewed people who are my heroes, uh, and I've interviewed people who've been twisted a lot in the media. Right. And I just – I'm scared to go there because I don't want them to think that I'm like Mm. the media that they did. And sometimes I get at the end of the interview and go, I could have maybe pulled more out of that. Mm. But then I think, but they're not going to go around saying, oh, this guy, Robbie stitched me up. Yeah, And that's more important for me. So.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's tough to strike the balance. Mm. But you know when you've done something that you're going to be proud of. Yeah. And only you know that. Mm. And, you know, I, I love having this opportunity to have long-form conversations on my podcast because once you've got someone relaxed, everything comes out. Yeah. And it's just the best place to be in the world when you see someone just start to give. Mm. Um, I just finished a documentary on Black Hollywood. Uh, We're asking the question uh, Mm. in a time when America is arguably at its most divided racially since the civil rights movement, how are some of the loudest voices in the creative space, African-American? Why do we have Donald Glover and Issa Rae? Uh, Why do they exist today when in reality they shouldn't when you think about the current climate? Mm. Um, and we get into some really interesting stuff, but I interviewed Mahershala Ali, uh, who was in Moonlight, won an Oscar for his performance, really amazing man, beautiful man. And um, at the end of the interview, after he sort of gave so much, he went, I- I've never said any of that stuff before. And I was like, okay. Yeah. And he said, am I going to get in trouble for some of that? <laughs> and I went, Well, if it's the truth? No. Yeah. Like, cool." And he was cool with it. And it was really lovely. And it was a lovely moment for me because this is a man who's been interviewed by everyone. Yeah. But because the conversation was so natural and so honest, he forgot that he was being filmed Mm. and just gave. And that's that's the beautiful place that I try and get to as often. I don't get there every time. No, of course. But sometimes you do. And when you do, it feels flipping amazing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Your podcast, what's it called? Um, let everyone called, know about
1: it. It's called The Reggie Gates Podcast, Funny enough. Oh, right. Um, you should be able to find that. Yeah, out. you yeah. should be able to search my name. Yeah. So I used to have a podcast called Talk Stew. Yeah. And the reason that this is so much better, in my humble opinion, is because we went for the dollar. Um, what well, did. A deal, we went
0: for the dollar mean?
1: I did a deal uh, via my management with uh, a platform. Yeah. And we were semi-exclusive to them. Um, we were doing exclusive content for this platform. Yeah, we we're also available on iTunes, but we couldn't be on any of their competitors. Right. So we weren't getting the reach that we were supposed to get. Yeah. We were also and well, I, they and
0: they paid you for that. Is that what you right. mean
1: by the dollar? Yeah. I was paid for the privilege. Yeah. Um, sorry, and I'm so English. I don't know what going for the
0: dollar means. Oh, sorry, yeah. <laughs> sorry <laughs> man. I was, yeah. I'm
1: Peter not London. Sorry yeah. about that. I was I was chasing flipping quids, yeah. mate. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, I um I was quite heavily produced. And this is your um, old podcast. This is my old podcast. Right. Uh, well, oh, that's a little unfair. It was produced by people that weren't me, yeah. is what I'm saying. It was produced in a way that I wouldn't have produced it. Yeah. Um, but I was booking the guests. No one was writing questions for me. My, my B&C mic uh, were people I chose, and the guests were people that I liked.
0: So is a and c mic other presenters?
1: Yeah. yeah, sort of. I mean, it's, I don't see them as presenters. I yeah. see them as people who are part of the conversation. Yeah. But to varying degrees, you know, and say they say less based on their B or their C. You know, right. you have that. If you look at most breakfast shows, there'll be a A mic and then you'll have a B and a C. And a B might be a producer and the C might be the researcher. Yeah. And they speak at very, varied, varied levels. It's just a really right. easy way to break it down. Anyway, we did 10. That was the end of it. The deal was done. We couldn't negotiate a deal. And that beautiful thing happened where the universe stepped in and went, okay, you're not going to work out a deal. But... Wake up, Reg, here's an idea I'm going to give you. And the idea that was given to me one morning when I woke up was just do it yourself and see what happens. So I found people that were willing to facilitate, as in people that would upload on Spotify and on iTunes. Uh, I found someone who was willing to edit to my notes and have me as a producer and let me do the rest. I organize the venue where we record. uh, I organize the guests. And we don't have guests a lot of the time because my my round table, if you will, was made up of people that I know and love mm. and we can have really honest conversation. And as a result, it's the biggest, one of the biggest things that I'm doing right now in yeah. my humble opinion. Mm. Off the, and that's not numbers, that's engagement. Yeah. Like a documentary will get millions of people watching. But the amount of people that stop me, that email me, that call me, that text me off yeah. the back of, say for instance, an episode we did on mental health. Yeah. They were like, that was so beautiful and so honest and it's very rare that you get men talking so openly about such difficult subject matter. For instance, the episode we just put out last week, the audio was corrupted, so we couldn't put out the beautiful sounding audio that we recorded on the day. But the content was so strong, we lifted the audio off of the cameras and put that out.
0: <laughs> you could be talking our podcast. <laughs> Every single thing. Really? The same. Yeah, well, sorry to interrupt yeah, you. Sure, sure, I'd love you to finish. But um, we flew out... Um, my favourite watch brand is Audemars Piga. I'm just a big, massive fan of it. I noticed.
1: <laughs> it's a nice Royal Oak set. Thank very you. Nice. Say, thank
0: you very much. And we flew out all the way and I met and the CEO, Francois Benamia, who I just think is an amazing CEO. We got all the way there, all through. Uh, and then none of the audio worked. and We had to nick, it, nick the audio off the camera. But it was the content's great, good Exactly. Enough, and people did they, didn't care. They don't care. They no.
1: Don't care. And that's what we had. So I had yeah. this kid that I'm mentoring on. So I'm super proud of him because... He's got a, a drama going out on BBC One. He's got his first documentary going out on BBC Three. A massive week for him. And the documentary is called Finding Dad, where he goes to Pakistan to find his father who he's never wow. met. Beautiful film. Yeah. And the conversation is maybe 15% about his documentary. And the rest of it is about fatherhood mm. and whether we want to be fathers or not and why. Yeah. And all the men in the room have a very different relationship with the men in their lives. Mm-hmm. And the conversation is so honest and so transparent. I'm so proud of it. Yeah. This isn't me plugging it. This mm-hmm. is just me talking honestly about something that happened in the room that was special.
0: Yeah.
1: And as the producer, I made the call that, you know what? This is still going out, yeah. regardless of the fact that the audio isn't at broadcast quality. Yeah. It's solid. it's going out and the reaction has been amazing. So yeah. to go back to my original point, Ownership is everything mm. and owning the narrative as well as the IP yeah. is important and just yeah. as important in my opinion.
0: It's funny because I just never would have assumed doing it your way. Right. Yeah. I've never sold anything of mine to anyone else's as like that, a,
1: I think, and I could be wrong here, correct me if I'm wrong here. I think that's because you started as a, an independent
0: and you right. started
1: yeah. as someone who is in control of their own destiny and narrative. Yeah. I've come through... Think about how different the business was 30 mm. years ago. There weren't podcasts. There wasn't even the fucking internet. No, right? right? So it's TV or nothing. It's yeah. even before cable. It's before Sky yeah. when I started. So your agent and your manager knew everything. Yeah. And you just did what you were told. And in my lifetime and in my career... Everything has changed. I love the way it's changed, by the way. So do I. Yeah. And, and I think we're getting better content because of it. Yeah. Because now the power is in the control of the creators. Mm. And as someone who... Media has been completely decentralized. Absolutely. You are a media company. I'm a media company. Right. Brands, the same it used, thing. Yeah, it used to be Sky mm. or Sky. Yeah. yeah. It's a very different beast now. And as a result of that, I am thankfully coming of age at the same time as yeah. I'm growing in confidence to control my content. Mm. So as of next year, projects will be co-pros between my company and whoever it is I'm working with. Otherwise, why am I doing it? Yeah. Because I understand what I bring to the table mm. and I also understand the power of quote unquote, the brand that I've created yeah. and also my experience, the value of that and it's more than just being the front man now. I'm mm. not just the presenter or a host or a complicit contributor or whatever I want to call myself. I'm a producer. Yeah. I'm a writer. I'm a director. I'm all these different things. What does a
0: producer do in
1: your... Well, in it your depends lives? on the producer. You know, you sometimes have creative producers who... Might if, From the drama space, the creative creative producers, it's easy for you to say, <laughs> they might suggest cost, they might suggest location. Right,
0: okay. Or
1: they might be quite straightforward and they might be just logistic. Mm. Or, you know, they might literally just have an amazing black book of contacts and they might just open them up. Or yep. they might just have shitloads of money Yeah. and say, here's my money, use uh, it wisely. Yeah. Yeah. It depends on the producer. There yeah. is no rhyme or okay. reason to it. Mm.
0: Do you have to raise finance for your um, shows, your documentaries that you do?
1: No, but for my film, I am in the process of that. So uh, I make my first feature film in 2019. Wow. Which I'm really excited about. So I've written it and I'm directing it. Yeah. And the funding is coming from two places and tax credit. Right. It's low budget. It's not massive. You know, it's a couple of million, not a lot of money for a film, Mm. but it's my first. And, you know, it gives me more chance of being in the black if I spend less. Yeah. Um, So in the... Film space, yes, yeah. but in drama, I've just sold a, uh, a show to Sony Studios in the States, comedy drama that I've written, I'll be directing uh, 10 half hours. Uh, that will be paid for by the, both the channel and by Sony Studios. Yeah. For instance, I also have a, a drama that I'm doing with the BBC that I've written and I've created and I'll be directing as well. That is too expensive. That's six hours too expensive for the BBC in terms of what they normally pay for now because... It's, uh, it has a different time period to it. Yeah. Uh, therefore, it will have to be a co-pro. So we'll partner with a Showtime or an HBO or a Netflix and or whatever. And they'll fund it. And they'll co-fund. Oh, right. And that's yeah. the way a lot of deals are being done now. Right. You know, like the, uh, the night manager, for instance. Yeah. Uh, that was brilliant. It was $3 million an episode. <laughs> why? That's why. We loved it. That's why it was brilliant. It's why? We loved it. Me and my wife loved it. Right. And a lot yeah. of people did. Yeah. But it costs money. To yeah. make something look as international, would something be as international, look as slick, yeah. to hire actors of that quality. And for it to be a world-beating series, you've got to fork out. Yeah, And to get the best talent, you've got to pay. Mm. And now I think platforms are becoming less uh, stringent on the way they do things. You know, yeah. for a long time, people are like, we make this and we're paying for it and we're not sharing this with anyone. Whereas for the best part of five years, I think Sky, maybe even longer, Sky are like, all right, showtime. Let's do this together. Yeah. All right, HBO, let's co-pro this because people don't have as much money to spend anymore yeah. unless you're Netflix.
0: Yeah, of course. And there seems to be a lot more competition for content now. Did you see that unboxing match between those KFM two? You, yeah. The Logan YouTube, and yeah, Logan yeah. Paul. I mean that. What's I just site? I just loved that. I just thought everything about that was genius. It and was, it just showed how you know that they, they are competing with Sky and BBC.
1: I think, I could be wrong, I think it's the third most watched pay-per-view of all time.
0: So I know who the boxing promoter who promoted that, and he reckoned they made pretty much 50 million quid
1: from it. It's amazing,
0: right? And like Logan Paul, you know, he's under 25 years old, and he just does crazy stuff and videos it, and he's just yeah. built this.
1: Yeah. I mean, I could be completely wrong about the numbers. I heard that somewhere, yeah. I don't know how true that is. Yeah. But I do know that Likewise. a lot of people yeah. watched it, and I do know that it's a massive moment for YouTube mm. because I think it was streaming on YouTube, wasn't it? Or yeah, was I it a separate so. pay-per-view? Was um, it, I, yeah, it was I behind know, the understand. paywall somewhere at yeah. yes. the point and people put their hand in their pocket to watch two, not even semi-pro <laughs> boxers <laughs> fights. Sluggers. And, yeah, yeah. And that is, you know, that's not me being disrespectful to no. them. They've not had many fights. They're not even semi-pro. No. They have huge audiences and they have a huge brand and they were able to build a narrative WWF style ahead of the fight, right. To the point where people wanted to see the fight and Mm. they made a load of money off the back of it, Mm. more power to them. Because to me that says to the industry and to the world, if the creators become business in the way that they think about things, the networks are almost rendered irrelevant Mm. because now, the way that Spotify have opened things up, you almost don't need a you don't need a record label. No, you can make money yeah. as an artist who is streaming on Spotify. Why do I need to be signed? And you can do a podcast without needing a BBC radio studio. Absolutely. You can do a podcast through your phone. Yeah. So this is no slight on any network or any platform. The BBC has given me my career. They have given me all the training that I need. It's just the way the world is going. But the world has changed and the power is shifting into the hands of the creators as opposed to the big houses that once owned them. You know, Hollywood was that way. Mm. As an actor for a long time, you were contracted to a studio. You only worked for them and you weren't paid per movie. You were on a salary right that isn't the case anymore no you know hollywood has shifted into you know actors having real power and real potential to steer a film in terms of a success or otherwise Mm. i feel that that's starting to happen across the board in terms of content creation now be that music film whatever Mm. i'm having a lot of these
0: conversations and i love them and i want to keep banging the drum any entrepreneur any creative any artist I interviewed um, the actress who plays Arya Stark in Game of Thrones, Macy Williams. She's lovely. Super smart. Um, She is. She's very smart. smart. And um, she's just launched her app, which is really Yeah, she's launched an app, um, Daisy, which is for creatives to put their work out to the world and get seen and get reached. Uh, And I used to be an artist 12, 13 years ago. I couldn't break through getting my art anywhere seen. I just couldn't couldn't compete in the world where Damien Hirst and Tracey Emin were, you know, because I was quite modern in my art. Oh man, if you're an artist now, you've got a YouTube channel, you've got an Instagram account, you've got Pinterest, you can do a podcast, you can make little documentary films with a couple of hundred quid cameras. The age of the creator and the entrepreneur, surely.
1: Do you think it's going to last though? Do you think that the people with more, uh, more money, more reach, We'll find a way to regain control.
0: Well, for me, this is now like, you know, like blockchain is sort of a fairly new thing. Um, that's quite exciting for me, for people to see a disruption to currency because they are in the early stages of seeing a new marketplace. Like there are marketplaces in every niche in business, but no one really knows what a marketplace is. And they've studied economics because they're so used to it and it's normal. But now we're seeing these new marketplaces like blockchain and content creation. It's a new marketplace. So in a new marketplace, you get new entrants to the market, get disruption to the market. The old way that it's done gets disrupted. Um, then you get sort of competitors coming and regulation coming And The old guy's trying to control the way it was, I suppose, a bit like the record labels. Mm. And the new guys, like the Logan Pauls and the KSI's who do it a different way and disrupt. And mm. so I actually couldn't predict what's going to happen. Mm. There's just this big new marketplace that's going on. Um, I feel like as a thirty nine year old guy who's put twelve years into business and earned a, a few stripes, this is exciting times because twelve years ago I had to do ads in the metro or try and, you know, go on like shopping channels and try and pitch, pitch, mm. pitch to get anyone to come to my events. Now people just listen to the podcast and read the odd book and there. and we do seven hundred and fifty events a year. So oh they'll fight back you know that the but like look at BBC with all the podcasts mm. they produce a load of podcasts now i like hat tip to bbc yeah. they didn't sit there and go oh well we've done it our way this is the way we do it they go we better get podcasts yeah. and so they get flintoff and Robbie savage and all these guys you know matthew Syed, on board and they and they dance with the times mm. but they've had to do that because of individual creators put their content out to the world. Mm. So what I think people want, and I'm just me with a mouth, but what I think people want is honest, open, unedited, untwisted, unmanipulated content. Mm. And I think they want easier, quicker access to the content providers. Mm. So if they can speak to Reggie in the street, and if they can private message you and they get a response, they feel connected to you. They feel understood. And that's how we've always tried to be with me. We're we get to the station now, where I've got loads of outsourcers who have to help me. Mm. I do three or four calls a day to individuals who know me but don't know I'm going to call them, and I send lots of private messages to people. I can do that because I'm financially free. So I think open, honest, unmanipulated content and access they can touch. You know, when Gary Vaynerchuk comes to the UK and he says, "Hey, I'm in this restaurant. Come meet me." And mm. hundred of them are like, "Ah, oh, Gary!" You know, people say to me, Rob, I'm a massive fan. I'm like, you know, I was a business owner before. No Mm. one said I'm a massive fan. Mm. They're like, you're an evil bastard, you know, Mm. because you run a business. That's how I think the world's changing. Mm. But there's definitely going to be more disruptions. And, you know, the the content creators have got a bit of control now. They're not going to have it their way forever. No. But what a lot of the smart media companies are understanding is they can come in and get ventures. Like Stitcher bought for Economics Podcast. They must have paid a few million quid for that. And so now Stitcher get all that reach, and you know, they get all those listeners to sort of start yeah. feeding the ads on. So I think that you know, like a lot of people don't give the bigger companies as much credit. I think a lot of them have moved with the times. Mm. But I, I cannot get over enough how excited I am You know when people moan about social media, it takes up all the time, and then there's all these ads. Facebook is free, and you can build your business on it. Instagram is free, and you can build your business on it. You can hundreds or thousands of customers on all these free platforms, and you can fill around a couple of apps on your Mm. phone. You tell me business is harder than when my parents had it. Mm. You know when that hey they had to they had to go to a pub and either buy it for hundreds of thousands of pounds and get a massive loan, Mm. which put a massive overhead. Then they had to go and buy all the stock, the food, mm. the drinks, hundreds of thousands in, and then to open the door and hope that someone came in. And they just said, wait and wait. And over years of looking after customers and, you know, creating a great environment, it's not like that anymore. Yeah. You don't need a shop. You don't need stock. Mm. You don't need anything. Mm. And you can go and reach these millions of it's people through social media. It's
1: crazy, isn't it, to think that that's the way that things were once done. Yeah. And that was the way that you built a business, whereas now – Personal brand is just as important yeah. as the thing that you're selling, you know, uh, and the way that people are building businesses and very successful ones. Uh, it's coming from the strength of the person mm. who is the face of said business, as opposed to, you know, how good looking they are. Yeah. Which is, in a way, uh, the, the right thing. Yeah. It's a good thing. Mm.
0: Po- podcasters are making millions
1: now. Which is awesome. Some
0: podcasters are making 10 million plus a year. YouTubers. And making millions. What did you want to be when you grew up 40 years ago? Well, you probably did what your family did. Mm. Now people are 12, 11, that have you seen that guy who um opens the toys and talks through the toys. I forget, always forget his name, but he did they did 12 million on his YouTube channel last year. A six-year-old kid who basically shows you how to make toys. It, I mean, obviously his dad's there, They're like, oh son. They made 12 million from but, that yeah, channel. 12 million pounds from that YouTube. Sorry, 12 million dollars, reputedly. Uh, from that channel. Wow. I forget his name, but he's like, he's quite, a, yeah, he's obviously quite a
1: cool kid. Mm. That's news Cheers to, me. to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cheers to my YouTube channel getting to yeah, 12 million a yeah. year. Jesus Christ. I mean, mm. it's definitely not there right now. Uh, and I understand that YouTube takes a long time. Yeah. It's something that grows slowly. And I'm just putting my podcast content on there. But what I want it to become is something I'm going to build to. Yeah. And something that I've planned mm. and something that I can't wait. To get to that place where I can fulfill some of my ambitions Mm. for it. But as it is, we're just slowly building, slowly sharing the content. And it's quite nice because new people are coming to what we're doing on the podcast. And it's quite nice because the podcast in 11 episodes has already grown so massively to the point where we did a pod party the other day, which was, uh, we threw a party and we recorded it. And that's an episode. Uh, And it's awesome. The pod party was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. And um, it was really funny as well because we've always spoken about doing live episodes and we've always wanted to do it. We said, when the time's right, when the Mm. time's right, already people are asking for live episodes, but now they're saying we want a live episode and a pod party as the after party. Right. And we're like, oh, yeah, holy yeah. crap. And yeah. it's just nice how things are organically forming and growing in the right way. Mm. You've got to check it out. Yeah, yeah. Have a listen. I oh, think you'll well, like hopefully it. you
0: get a lot more listeners from Oh, hopefully. Yeah. This, please, please check me out. Red podcast. podcast,
1: Spotify iTunes, bang,
0: bang, bang. <laughs> check me out. Should we move into the quick fire round then? Why not? Okay.
1: Um, what's the best advice you've ever received? Um Oh god, I I I'm very fortunate to have a lot of good people around me. Um, I could there's so many things I'm thinking of now I don't want to say all of them Um, one of my first therapists said to me um, I love that
0: one of my first therapists (laughs) that's how the world's changed (laughs) yeah yeah, exactly I've
1: only had three thankfully four Um, uh, yes I've only had four (laughs) Um, anyway uh, he said every time you come in this room we're going to talk about stuff that relates to the three subjects, uh, who you're with, where you live and what you do. Almost everything that you think about will come back to one of those three things. And if you get two out of the three right, you'll be bouncing. If you get three out of the three right, you'll be flying. Mm. And as a really simple way to break down how I feel and where I am with everything, I run it through that checklist and through that filter. Yeah, and. Today, I'm two out of three. Yeah. And it's a really nice place to be, mm. knowing that that third one that I really want isn't a million miles away. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's not the golden rule of therapy by any means. And yeah. it's not we didn't only speak about those three things, but a lot of the stuff that we spoke about pertained to those three. Mm. And being able to say and almost compartmentalize what you need yeah. is a really powerful thing, I think. I don't know if that's the best advice that I've ever had, but that's one of the first things that comes to mind. It. But it's also a unique things, answer. Really yeah. easy things. Um, asking yourself, how have you won the day? That's a really small thing. So like, I'll ask myself that first thing in the morning, how am I going to win the day today? Yeah. And it might be completing a checklist. It might be going to the gym. It might be hitting a new PB. It might be calling my mum and telling yeah. her I love her. It might be doing something nice for a stranger. It's like, okay this is my thing that I need to find time to do today. And if I've done it, I've won the day. Yeah. And setting that little personal challenge, I mean, come on, I'm, I'm a dude, like I love to win a game yeah. if I can. <laughs> yeah. Like Even going to the toilet is a game. You know? <laughs> if yeah. there's a skid mark, I'm gonna piss it away. <laughs> like I have to get rid of that skid mark on the toilet during this piss. <laughs> if I win that, yes, yeah. I'm a real man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's not on my win the day list no, for the no. record. But you've moved beyond that. I'd like to think. You've transcended that emotion. Yeah, (laughs) sometimes, not all the time. But I'd like to think that (laughs) most days, not every day, if I set myself a win the day challenge and I win it, it's the best feeling ever. Love it. Worst advice you've ever received? Uh, Don't do that thing. What that is, I won't say. Don't do that thing because you're not good enough. Mm. Um, As someone who now mentors five people, that's like the worst advice you can give to somebody who is. Creatively growing and exploring, I think when someone is still in that embryo phase, the worst thing you can do is crap on them. Yeah The best thing you can do is encourage them to do better, but at the same time, being honest, yeah. Tell them where they've gone wrong, but give them advice on how to get it right, but allow them to get it right on their yeah. own terms, regardless of how long it takes.
0: Mm. Yeah, like I hate doing that to people. Because I'd never want to squash someone's dream or feel like I'm responsible for that. It's so. got to be done.
1: Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing of self awareness, right? Yeah. Like, I will, for instance, this girl who, funnily enough, I'm mentoring through BAFTA. So, BAFTA suggested me as a mentor for this girl. Oh, wow. And um, she wants to be uh, a creator but has a singing career. And I said to her, I'm going to be really honest with you. Your singing career is very confusing for the thing that you're saying that you want to do and the thing that has actually put you and I together. Mm. So I'm not asking you to make a choice. I'm asking you to be honest with yourself and have a level of self-awareness uh, as to where this creative endeavor is taking you versus the creative endeavor that you've been working on for the best part of twenty years has taken you. Yeah. What is it that you really want to do, and what is it that's truly going to get you to where you want to get to? Mm. And that's tough love. Yeah. But it's helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, um, what's the? You know, no point in having a dog and bark yourself. What's the point in having a mentor? You know, and not actually taking yeah. on board some of that. You know, by definition, a mentor is going to guide someone somewhere they haven't been before. Yeah. Which means new questions and, and new answers. I am, I'm in a fortunate position. I mentor a lot of people. And in the early days, I would maybe avoid hard questions to make them feel good and motivated to go out there mm-hmm. and get results. It's really important. Otherwise, you're not a mentor. You're just a mate, a, yeah. a, a, a sycophantic
1: mate. It's weird because eyesight sort of, uh, I try and find a balance um, in that mentoring thing of being the person who can challenge you and say difficult things, but at the same time not being Mr. Appointment man. So I am available on phone, text and email at any time. Yeah. But we will meet face to face at these planned points. And I feel that that allows a sense of freedom in the conversation and a looseness that takes it away from this elevated hierarchy and it makes it more of a level playing field where there's respect, mutual Mm. respect, but at the same time, it's not Master Splinter and one of the turtles. You know what I mean? I'm not Mr. Miyagi (laughs) by any means. (laughs) And I I just really love to be able to share my experiences both in terms of success and failure uh, and understand that, and have them understand that I'm not telling them to do what I did. I'm telling them to learn from what I've done and choose to use it in the right way.
0: Yeah, great. Um, If there was your most scorned ex or partner, I've not asked this question before, and if it's shit, then I won't ask it again. I'm just challenging myself to ask something different. If there was a scorned ex or partner of yours who wasn't glowing reference of Reggie, what would they say is the best and worst thing about you, your strength and your weakness?
1: Um, I think based on who I was at the time of the relationship, they'll say my strength is my creativity. And I think they'll say my weakness is my inability to listen. And I think they'd be right. Mm. Um, I think in the worst relationship that I've been in, um, at its worst, um, I didn't uh, communicate properly. Yeah. And I didn't listen. This is therapy now, isn't it? Yeah. (laughs) I didn't communicate properly and I didn't listen. Yeah. And they're things that I've worked on since it ended because I identify quite quickly that was the part that I played. Yeah. I'm very big on ownership. Mm. If you can't own Blame yourself. Yeah, yeah, if yeah. you can't own the role that you played in something that didn't work out, then you're probably the reason it didn't work yeah, out. Yeah. And, and that pattern will repeat throughout. Absolutely. Yeah. And we all have a part to play in anything that involves more than just us. Yeah. So either you're allowing someone's behaviour to happen or you're the reason for that behaviour. Yeah. So, I, yeah, I learned a hell of a lot of myself through it. And, yeah, I think I just didn't listen and I didn't communicate properly. Yeah. And um, I hope I'm better at it.
0: Yeah, and obviously that's great for other people to hear. Mm. Um, what's wrong with the world? Maybe one thing that you feel it's important that we change. And this is the penultimate question. Sure. Good uh, timing. We've got a five-minute warning ha- and we've got about two minutes left. I don't think we have enough empathy. Right.
1: Uh, I don't think we um, are willing to make time for other people's stuff. We all have stuff and everybody is carrying around stuff. Some people might be carrying around a shopping basket full. Some people (laughs) might be pushing a flipping truck uphill. Yeah. Um, I think that my stuff is now in a shopping basket, thankfully. Yeah, But it was at one point a truck that I was pushing mm. with the engine off and the clutch up. Yeah. and then look the, forward and the to your up. stuff
0: being in a bum bag. <laughs> I think that would suit you. One yeah. day,
1: <laughs> one day uh, like a, a shiny, horrible, purple bum bag, yeah. <laughs> we'll, 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 all my stuff will fit into. But, yeah, we all have stuff. Yeah. And I think knowing that when someone comes to you with a weird energy or with a... Uh, um, negative sort of uh, outlook a lot of the time it's not about you Mm. and having the empathy to understand that and uh, respect someone in their tough times I think is something that we're missing
0: yeah great final question then before you send us where you want listeners to you know follow you and that is this podcast has the word disruptive in it it's called the disruptive entrepreneur but it's not just about entrepreneurship what does the word disruptive mean to you
1: I think What to me, uh, being disruptive means having the bravery to change things on your own terms. I had a really long conversation yesterday with two friends over Sunday lunch. And um, I was challenging one of them uh, over the idea of there being a generational split in terms of creators, particularly in the drama space. Mm -hmm. He's an actor, I'm a writer-director. And I was saying that the generation before were very closed and were very much, I'm going to get where I need to get to and I'm not going to bring anyone with me. Whereas now the level of uh, content and the level of creators getting through the door has elevated to a point where we're helping each other and we're not helping each other because it's a bringing. We're helping each other because there's a level of respect there. Mm. So... I think if you're willing to do something that speaks to your authenticity and if you're willing to be transparent in who you are, then you have an opportunity to do something that's never been done before. And also, doing something that's never been done is the most beautiful thing in the world. And trying to replicate someone else is a recipe for success, uh, for failure. Mm. (laughs) Maybe that was Freudian. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I think it's a recipe for failure. Mm. If I... Tomorrow decided that I wanted to become you. I, I would be even if I achieved everything that you've achieved. Deep down, I'd be unhappy yeah. because it wasn't my blueprint. Mm. And I'm still trying to clear the leaves to see what my blueprint blueprint actually looks like. Yeah, but I'm glad that I don't know. Mm. I'm glad that the story is still being written. Yeah, and I think it is being written because. I'm not doing something that's been done before and I am disrupting the way in which creators create and the way in which young black British men of African descent navigate this thing that I'm involved in.
0: Yeah, love that. And that's a perfect opportunity to finish on two things. So one, just send us where you want us to go, where we can follow you. Sure. You've obviously said the podcast, that again, or other stuff. What's the future? What do you know you're doing
1: in the future? Tell us what your work is. Um, having the beautiful opportunity to create on my terms on a regular basis. That's the short answer. Yeah. Um, Any specific
0: things, projects we might want to keep our eye out for?
1: Uh, I'm about to go to China to make a three-part documentary for the BBC, BBC Two to be specific about wow. millennials right. and the gulf between the generations, disparity Ooh. of wealth some really interesting stuff, sitting yeah. down with some really smart people. Yeah. Uh, I forget his name, and I also forget the name of his business. It's a young billionaire who has those yellow bikes, push bikes.
0: Right, I don't know. But I forget his I'm name, but they're, find out. They're, yeah.
1: they're huge in China, and they're yeah. now coming here. You'll see him around. Now I've said it, you'll start to see him. Yeah. Yellow push bikes, and yeah. they're like rentals. Um, he's got this billion-dollar business, and he's like 25, 26. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I'm doing that. I've just finished a documentary on Black Hollywood that I spoke to you about. that will also be coming out on BBC Two. But I have my first feature film I'm shooting next year, And I'm really proud of the feature film because it's not only something I've written and I'll be directing, but it speaks to a version of London I've never seen on screen before. And that's my London. And it's a London I'm incredibly proud of. It's a London that is multiracial, multireligious, multicultural, but at the same time, everybody, first and foremost, are just Londoners. Mm. I grew up in a school... I went to a school where we had people speaking eight languages in my class. People who were Polish, Pakistani, West Indian, African, and white working class. All in the same class. But we all supported the same football team. Yeah, All used the same slang. All played football together. Yeah. When we went home, some of us ate with our hands. Some of us ate with chopsticks. Some of us spoke different languages. Mm. And that version of London I've never seen. And I've made it my mission Great. to show that version of London. And I get yeah. to do that through the context of uh, what I think is quite a fun little movie.
0: Yeah, that's ex- excellent. Do you have um like social media platforms? Yeah,
1: um, I mean on all social platforms I'm at Reggie Yates uh, but my podcast is the Reggie Yates podcast and um, you can buy my book. Yeah. I wrote a book about my documentaries uh, through Penguin Random House. Yeah. You can buy in all the usual places. You can get the order book. What's the book called? It's called Unseen My Journey. Right. Uh, and it's on Amazon and all the other places. So yeah, go yeah. check it out. It's been out just under a year now. Great. And first book I've written. Hopefully there'll be more to come. Yeah. Reggie, thank you very much. We nice appreciate well, it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. Lovely.
0: Thank you very much.